Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Friday, everyone, and welcome into the Gramlich and McLean podcast. Eric McLean, it is October. We made it to the month of October. It is spooky season. I know this is one of your favorite times of year, my friend. It absolutely is, KG. Fall for a couple of reasons. Number one, football, duh, it's the best time of year. But then the weather starts to change. It's a little brisk in the morning. You can see your breath. Uh, the leaves start to change colors. And really, you know, honestly, my favorite part about going up to Bristol outside of seeing my friends, my work friends, and, you know, just working in person, I kind of go into the future a little bit. I get to see the leaves change before we get to see that here in South Carolina. So I kind of go up there. I'm a different person. I get to experience fall quicker. Then I come back home and it's 90 degrees, 100% humidity. I'm like, man, it's a, it's a different world down here. But yeah, big, big fall guy. <laughs> You do see into the future for sure. And you see the fall that we all want to oh, yeah. have. No question. But we don't want the winter. So you kind of have to pick. It's the right? best of both worlds. Do you want that beautiful yeah. fall or do you want a mild Well, see, winter? I don't have to pick because I get both. I go up there and I come home. That's why people say, you know why you That's love true. Bristol so much is because you have a plane ticket home. That's why you love coming up here. <laughs> <laughs> they do say that. And you don't really have to go up there in January, February, where that's what I go. <laughs> Not fun. Very cold. Always. Well, as Always. sad as that is, let's get to some happy things, KG, because this is a loaded weekend this weekend of football. It is. It's a loaded weekend. And I want to shout out our wonderful listeners because September, which is over now, wake me up when September ends. Am I right, Mac? September is over. Green Day reference. If we have any Gen Z listeners, you didn't get that. But September was our best month for listenership, for you guys downloading and listening. And we appreciate that so much. It's been really, we have to give the credit to the football because the football has been riveting and interesting and crazy. But we just want to shout out our listeners back. We appreciate them. Could not do it without you guys. Thank you so much. Every week, every episode, just tuning in. It's been a really, really fun journey just to see the growth of this thing and how we've changed it. And of course, this year now deciding to you know, move fully to college football, it's going to be even more fun to see, you know, how does this thing keep growing? Where does it end up? And man, a big shout out to all you guys listening. Can't thank you enough. Let's dive into some games, Eric McLean. Our big four, all of these games are very interesting. We have a rivalry game. We have a game where the two teams play for a trophy, and I don't really know why, in Clemson and Boston College. And I want to start with this game that I have made up a name for, Mac. This is the bad loss bowl between Pittsburgh and Georgia Tech. And this is a noon game on ACC Network. Pittsburgh is a three and a half point favorite. What's so interesting about this, Pittsburgh has that really bad loss to Western Michigan and Georgia Tech has the loss to Northern Illinois. But both of these teams very much control their own destiny in the ACC. And this is a very important game in the Coastal. Pitt is undefeated in the ACC. Georgia Tech has just one loss to Clemson and just beat North Carolina. That's a huge win for them. So, yes, would we prefer both these teams be undefeated, obviously, or Georgia Tech just with one loss? But this is still going to be a really, really fun game. The Bad Loss Bowl brought to you by Kelly Gramlich. That's a nice sound to it. I think we should brand it as that, get the T-shirts going. Uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, just it's hard for me, KG, not to think how much better, more fun, exciting, 
you know, would this game be if we were looking at a 4-0 Pittsburgh, who's probably ranked in the country uh, in the top 25, and a 3-1 and Georgia Tech, which both of those teams easily should be and could be. Uh, but nevertheless, it's going to be a great game. It's going to be a huge test, you know, for Kenny Pickett. And I think on the opposite side with Georgia Tech, we're going to find out just how real this defense is. And I know Tech fans are probably like, dude, come on. We, we passed two unbelievable tests in a row back to back. And now you're, you're still, you know, telling this. But guess what? As Kelly just mentioned, I have trust issues because of Northern Illinois game. Why couldn't you do it then? I get it's the first game of the season, uh, but but just looking back at Pitt and, and seeing what Kenny Pickett is doing. Guys, we mentioned this a week ago. I don't think there's anybody in the country who is thriving the way he is off of coming back this year. I mean, there, there is nobody that it, it has taken advantage of this thing who is actually going out and doing it. He is sixth in the country right now. In passing yards, he's tied for second with passing touchdowns at 15. Guys, his career high passing for a full season was 13. He's already at 15, uh, and and all the while he's throwing the ball at 74%. It's just been so impressive to see Kenny and really just happy for him and and proud of him taking these next steps because he's ultimately setting himself up so well, KG. He is. He made such a good decision, and he talked to us about that on our podcast. We had him on a couple weeks ago. Peyton Manning advising him to come back. And he is just, he's thriving because of it. He's one of those guys, you know, people have asked the questions about DJU and Spencer Rattler and these guys who have done a lot of NIL stuff and it hasn't really translated to the field. He is the perfect example. He, he's done some NIL stuff, nothing crazy, right? But he's, I know he's doing his offensive line dinners and different things like that. And then he's out here having the best season of his career. Sixth in the country in passing yards, tied for second of the country with 15 passing touchdowns. Like, dude is playing himself into the higher rounds of the NFL draft. And that's what's crazy about the Western Michigan loss is that wasn't on him. They still scored like 47 or whatever it was. And and that's the biggest question here, Mac, is the pit defense. Are they going to be able to hold up against Georgia Tech? But then the other question, too, is which Georgia Tech are we getting offensively because if Jeff Sims is starting and playing all four quarters, is he going to be able to sustain for the whole game? That That's absolutely right. First of all, looking at Pitt, I mean, is the defense back? Are, are, are we back? Can we expect to see, you know, that elite? Were they ever here? Right. Well, you know, sometimes. Uh, but can we expect to see that elite Pitt defense that for the last three, four, five years we've expected to see? Uh, because they have a tough test. I mean, Gibbs and Sims are a dynamic backfield. And, and if Sims is in there and he's feeling confident or if you allow him to feel confident – we saw what he's capable of. I mean, he just ran all over Carolina a week ago. He was throwing the ball very effectively, I believe, 10 of 13. Not, you know, like strikes down the field, but keeping the offense rolling. And so, you know, if Pitt is not pressuring him, which they normally do, if they're not making it hard in coverage where he can't just dink and dump and find guys wide open, then he's going to be feeling really good. And he might go off crazy on you with with offensively what we're going to see from them. And then the defense for Georgia Tech, this is – it's a big test for both, right? For four pit, can they go against these guys effectively? And then same thing with with Georgia Tech, can they handle this type of offense? Because two weeks ago against Clemson, stall out offense, can't get anything going, can't figure it out. A week ago with Carolina, you have a quarterback in Sam Howell that you know he'll make mistakes and he'll he goes for the home run so much that it allows you to get a pass rush and allows you to get after him. 
Kenny's going to give you what or, or take from you what you give him. He, he's going to find the open guys. He's going to go through his reads. He's not just going to sit back there, pat the ball, and hope that you know the home run emerges. So you know, with those guys looking at them, you know, are, are they going to change anything? Because knowing that Pitt doesn't really like to run the football is going to be very similar to what we saw against Carolina and Clemson. Uh, because this linebacking core, Kelly Jackson, Ely, and Thomas. I mean, they are playing so well right now, specifically Thomas, 32 total tackles, two and a half sacks, and two picks. I mean, they're really playing well on defense, and I can't wait to watch this game. The defense has been lights out, and I've said it before, but the biggest thing that stood out to me in the North Carolina game was the Georgia Tech defense was just incredibly physical and aggressive. Like, they they were the aggressors that whole game. So if they can do that – now, Kenny Pickett's not going to turn it over, I don't think, like Sam Howell did. So can Georgia Tech – play defense honestly if they can't force turnovers. I think that's another big question. Mac, give us your keys to the Bad Loss Bowl, brought to you by Seaside Grown. <laughs> I love that little extra sponsorship. Congrats, Seaside. Uh, when, when I look at Pitt, it, it's just what I mentioned on the offense. Take what this defense is going to give you uh, that there was a lot of under underneath routes that were wide open. Uh, that that you know Georgia Tech was just trying to cover deep, trying to prevent that home run ball. Can you get your guy Jordan Addison running in space instead of you know just putting him on the deep post or the or the the fly pattern? Can you get him coming across the middle and then let him do the rest with the yak? We've seen him time and time again. You know, just get after it once he gets the football. And then for Georgia Tech, do not turn the ball over. Sims, please do not go back to being who we saw last year when things got tough, hold on to that rock. It's like gold. And this should be a really fun fun football game if we see both of those things happen. This is an underrated game this weekend. I'm excited for it. My key in our Kelly's keys is, you know, we're going to see four quarters of Jeff Sims. And we haven't seen that all year. And North Carolina said after the game, we didn't really prepare for him, which, by the way, why not? Pitt will be ready. Pitt will sell out to stop Sims, so can he be effective when a team is ready for him and he can't come in and save the day? He's playing all four quarters. That's where I assume he is. That's my key for Georgia Tech. Let's talk about our next game here, Mac, a rivalry game, Duke at North Carolina, noon on ESPN2. UNC is a 20-point favorite that seems pretty big, and we're playing for two trophies this weekend. We've got the BC Clemson one, we'll get to that, and the victory bell for Duke and North Carolina. Before the season, I would have thought we're in, this game will be on a speed round. Like we won't even talk about it in the big four. <laughs> but because of how UNC has struggled and how Duke has played really well lately, this is a more interesting game, Mac. It's very interesting. And if you would have told me uh, going into this game that Duke would be on a four-game or trying to be on a four-game win streak and that the heels would have just came off a beatdown, there would be no possible way that I thought that that was happening. And, and, and I think the biggest question mark really in this game for North Carolina is which Sam Howell is going to show up? You know, is it going to be the guy that has looked like a top five draft pick at times and and really has control of his offense and, you know, makes unbelievable throws, protects the football, doesn't put it in jeopardy? Or is it going to be the guy that is just trying to hold on and and trying to, you know, hit the home run play and, and will just give the ball up, you know, running with it loose, not protecting it and ultimately putting his team in jeopardy. So, that's what I can't wait to see, you know, because ultimately it all comes down to one guy. I mean, Carolina, they go as Sam goes, and, and he is kind of flashing forward to the end here. He's the key to their team. I mean, I mean, he is such a dynamic piece. Um, Duke's defense, you know, they're average, I think, is is nice 
to call them that. So honestly, it shouldn't be a problem. But if it is, then I mean, you're looking at Sam's future and you're just like, maybe you're not a top five pick. Maybe you're not a top 10 pick. And so now money's getting involved. So I still think he is. I think he's going to take, you know, advantage of this season and this opportunity and really, you know, kind of remind people who he is. But man, two just tough performances against Virginia Tech and then now this past, you know, weekend against Georgia Tech. Mac, we've talked about Sam Howell. We need to put a little more respect on Gunnar Holmberg's name. This dude has been balling. He's completing 72% of his passes, nine touchdowns, just three total turnovers. Now, he's very much a game manager, but that's what Duke was so badly in need of. He's not going to make mistakes. He's going to go out there. He's going to be a steady Eddie type player. If Howell makes mistakes on the other end, that could be a real problem for the Heels. Yeah, and Duke has shown this year that they'll take advantage of that, right? They'll score when they when their defense creates opportunity for them, something that was severely lacking from a year ago. But I'm with you. I mean, Gunner has been really efficient, and, and he's been impressive to see you know, that he always makes the right play. You know, sometimes I get on him, man, I, I want to see you take a risk. I want to see you be dangerous, shoot a bomb He's and like, take no, a bomb. no, no, Matt. He's like, nah, man. I manage the that's football right, game. That's right. I'm not, I'm not going to put my team in jeopardy. But and, and the way he runs the football, I mean, four rushing touchdowns a week ago was super impressive to see. Uh, the biggest thing offensively for Duke is, you know, if this turns into a track meet, can you score enough? Now, we just saw him score 50 on, on Kansas, so I guess that answer is yes. But if it it comes to the back and forth, are you able to do that? The defense, I mean, that's a that's the biggest question mark for Duke. You know, we've seen them play a first half really well against uh, Northwestern. We saw them play two second halves very well against Kansas and A and T earlier this season. Can we see a fourth quarter effort? Can we see these guys put it together for an entire game? and get it done because if you can just play kind of not prevent defense, but if you can prevent the home run ball, who knows what Carolina is going to do. So it's going to be really interesting to see this matchup uh, looking at, at UNC's defense going against Gunner and, and of course against Mateo Durant. Sadly, you know, Kelly, it's just more of the same and, and thought these guys would be a little bit further ahead. Just when you look at body types and who they have and recruiting having been really, really hot, especially defensively, but they're, they're just not. And so maybe this is it. Maybe they can take advantage of it, get Duke to kind of go back to their old ways and you know create some turnovers. But as of right now, it, it's just been uh, more of the same. Yeah, I've been really disappointed in UNC's defense, as I know you have, Mac. We thought they'd take that next step, and they just have not been able to. Give me your keys to this rivalry game, the battle for the victory <laughs> If you want to get that bell, uh, it goes through Sam Howe for UNC. I mean, he is this entire team. The team goes as he goes. I mentioned that in the first part, talking about UNC. You know, how is he going to play? Is he going to be ready? Is he going to take advantage? Is he going to take what the defense gives him? Or is he going to force stuff and just try to be Superman when he doesn't need to? And then for Duke, you've got to score touchdowns. I was going to say you have to score points. But points are at a premium. You need six, seven each and every time you're on the field as an offense. My key for this game, Mac, I want to give kudos to Duke because they are dead even in the turnover margin this year, which is perhaps the biggest improvement in one statistical category for any team ever in the history of time. So congrats to them. And I think that's the key. I think they have to force turnovers. Now, Sam Howell has shown that he has the propensity to do that. But what Duke did to Northwestern, the reason they were able to win that game is because they forced Hunter Johnson to throw three picks. You have to do that. Otherwise, I don't think your athletes can keep up. 
you got to force turnovers. That's the key for Duke. Let's talk about, I, there's really nothing with this game. I'm, I'm trying to find a, an in for these other games. No, no, I'm excited about this game. But Louisville Wake is not a storied rivalry or anything. But this may be the offensive showing or the, the basketball score game of the weekend with Louisville going to Winston-Salem playing number 24, Wake Forest, trying to stay undefeated. 12.30 p.m. game, not on linear TV, probably because no one thought Wake would be 4-0, but here they are. Wake is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Mac, first to 50, first to 45 wins this game, perhaps? <laughs> I like that. I hope so. I mean, that that's the the kind of explosion that we expect to see from really both of these teams. And, uh, you know, can they do it? Can they get there? You know, maybe a little bit less uh, explosion that we're used to seeing from Louisville. You know, they've only scored uh, – over 40 once this season. So maybe it's 35. Maybe we have to reel it back a little okay, bit 35. and like see that. see where, where can they get there. But, I mean, Wake's averaging 39 a game, guys. They're averaging nearly 430 yards per game. So it, it's it's been impressive. And that's exactly what we thought that we would see from Wake Forest. But here's the thing. Everybody knows now. You, you have the attention of everyone now. What are you going to do with it? And, and we are very used to seeing – you know, Wake Forest be undefeated, playing very well in September, in October. Can you do it for a full season? And I know we're not going to get that answered this weekend. It's definitely the next step towards that. But, you know, I think they have a real chance to to make some noise nationally and to really get some eyebrows, you know, kind of raised. I've been very impressed with Sam Hartman, his consistency. He, he is just really an impressive leader. And I, I know I already mentioned this uh, a couple of episodes ago, but, you know, we had him come on the huddle and just hearing his thought process on this team, on where they're going, on where they can be, he's just a really impressive young man, a great quarterback. It's been fun to see. But the defense, Kelly, that is what gets me jacked up because these guys are playing so well. Uh, they're creating a bunch of turnovers. They're playing really fast. I think they've been the surprise defense of, of the ACC because we spoke about it preseason what is the defense going to look like? That's probably the biggest weakness of the of the team. We know they're going to average 36-plus points per game. Can the defense stop anybody? And that answer so far has been absolutely yes. Uh, linebacker Luke Masterson has been playing out of his mind. He's getting after the quarterback, making tackles for loss. Just really overall a fantastic piece. They have a big test, though, KG, because Malik Cunningham is truly Mr. Do-It-All for Louisville. And can they contain him? That's what will be interesting to see. Yeah, he is, he is that dude. He's been excellent. He has two or more rushing touchdowns in all four games, which is really impressive. I see this game, and tell me if you agree, Mac, I see it in a similar way when you look at Wake, Virginia last week. There are some similarities because Brennan Armstrong does everything for UVA. Malik Cunningham does everything for Louisville, maybe a little less so than Brennan, but it's similar. And then on the flip side, you have Wake, and Wake is super balanced. Wake can throw it. They can run it. They have a solid offensive line. Christian Beal Smith is a really good running back. They have multiple weapons for Hartman. So one thing that Wake UVA taught me is most of the time you want to go with the more balanced team. And when I look at this game, I definitely see Wake as the more balanced football team. What do you make of that? I don't I don't think there's any question about that. I think you're spot on with with what you see there from Wake and from Louisville. You know, I, I think when you look at you know, really, those guys in the comparison to UVA, yes, it's it's very similar in the fact that you're you expect it all from your quarterback. Yeah, like if if he's not going, 
your team's probably not going, but Malik does it a little bit differently because it's on the ground. So now what, you know, changes and adjustments are we going to see from Wake Forest where before, all right, let's put everybody in coverage. Let's confuse them. Let's not show anything. Uh, let's not tip our hand. And, and you saw the results now. Okay. We, we need to be closer to the line of scrimmage. Are, are they going to play, you know, with more linebackers, more defensive linemen in the game? You know, what is that, you know, really going to look like to really limit this running attack? But Louisville, um, it's been fun to see Malik embrace this role and for him to kind of know, okay, I'm going back to my 2019 self. It's all on me. I've got to do everything. And he doesn't seem to shy away from that at, at all. So that's been impressive to see. Need to see kind of similar to, to uh, you know, Duke and putting together a full game. Need to see Louisville's offense put together a full game because I thought they were super explosive, got out to a great start against FSU and then didn't score you know, in the second half at all. So, you know, need to see that happen. Need to see more of a running threat from someone not named Malik Cunningham uh, evolve there and and emerge, if you will. Uh, And and then I think they can get really dangerous because that team wants to run the ball. When you look historically at Scott Satterfield and what that offense has tried to do, it all bases around power and stretch. And if they're able to hit that anytime they want, everything else just happens. And so it's really impressive to see – I'm excited for this matchup. It's super underrated. Yeah. I'm very sad that it's not on TV. It makes no sense. I know. Uh, but hey, you know, there, there's deals in place that we have no idea about that uh, is the way it is. <laughs> way above our pay That's grade. right. But still, if you have the ESPN app, which you should, you can watch any game you want. So easy Kelly enough. is a company what? woman right there, guys. Oh, and yeah. I'm looking at ESPN's oh, yeah. website right now and what's right in front of me. Get the Disney bundle and save. Upgrade now. Hulu, <laughs> Disney Plus, ESPN Plus. There you go, guys. We have I'm going gonna, gonna to send a big invoice to Espen and Desney and get our money for that read that we just did. Espen. <laughs> That's right. That's right, Mac. Tell him. All right, Mac, give me – we've really given our keys a little bit for this one, but give me your two keys for this game. Yeah, hopefully Wake Forest does a little bit better in disguising their defense instead of tipping their hand like you and I have this entire little segment here. The key <laughs> to the game – Well done. That's right. The key to the game for Wake is simple. Contain Malik. Cunningham. It's probably going to be the key for everybody Louisville plays this year. He's that special of a player. He can impact the game so much that if you can just contain him, you feel really good about your chances. And then Louisville, Kelly, you you mentioned in, in great detail, they are very balanced. So what do you have to do? You have to take something away. You can't try to stop the entire team, the entire offense. You have to pick one point and say, you're not going to do this. In my, you know, kind of observations, I would say take away the run. Load the box up. Don't let them run the football. If Sam Hartman throws for 450, 500 yards, so be it. Can he do that? We've seen it maybe once or twice. So that's what I would do if I was Louisville. My key for this game, I kind of said it earlier because I'm going with the more balanced team in Wake Forest. That's a little bit of a uh, a look ahead for our pick segment. But also, I mentioned turnovers in the previous game. Wake is first in the ACC right now in turnover margin. They're plus seven. Is that part of what they do, or is there a little luck there? Can they keep that up? I keep an eye on that because they've been doing a great job of forcing turnovers. Can they keep that up against Louisville? That's something to keep an eye on with my I would, key. Yeah, I would say it was luck if they hadn't like been at the top of the country the past two years. I, I that's think that's, that's kind of just do. what they do at this point. That's what they do. And their safeties, I mean, they're playing really, really well. I mentioned those two linebackers, uh, but when you look at the secondary and when you look at how they've been able to disguise, disguise things, what they've been able to accomplish, and when I see guys like Nazir Greer uh, and Jasir Taylor just really playing out of their minds right now, 
that's where it's like, okay, maybe this defense, you know, maybe they're for real. And, and they have been so far this year. I hear you. I hear you. I still think the defense is for real. I just know that turnover margin stat can be a little iffy because sometimes the football, as you know, Mac, is very weirdly shaped and it bounces <laughs> weird ways. That's right. I'll just put it that way. All right, Mac, the battle for the O'Rourke McFadden trophy, because obviously BC and Clemson should be playing for a trophy. Happens at 7.30 p.m. on ACC Network, ACC and Prime Time. Clemson, 14 and a half point favorite. Boston College traveling to number 25, Clemson. BC receiving votes. BC is the undefeated team. There are so many weird things about this matchup that we are not used to seeing. Mac, Clemson lost in Raleigh the week before. Their offense has not been able to get going. What? So, okay, I think for you and me and people who really cover Clemson closely, we think this offense has serious issues, right? But then you see Jeff Halfley's quotes, and he says, they are inches away. Which side are you on, Mac? Are they inches away? Or does this offense have maybe more serious issues? It, it might be a couple feet away. I know Coach Halfley's okay. just trying to be respectful and, uh, you know, give a little coach speak there. Uh, but they've, they've got a long way to go offensively. And, and you kind of said it up front there, the number 25 Clemson Tigers. It feels really weird to say that. When's the last time that they have been there? Probably uh, to 2015, maybe 14. earlier. Yeah, 14-ish. Um, I, I can't wait to watch this. I, I think if Phil Dracovic was playing in this game – it's a slam dunk for the Eagles, but he's not. And, and so when you look at Clemson, we'll start there. The offense just is not good right now, top to bottom. It, it starts with quarterback play. Then it goes to offensive line and, and their lack of ability to get push or protection at times. But then it's everybody else too, running backs, making terrible decisions, wide receivers, not blocking on the edge. That's kind of been a big problem that not a lot of people are pointing out, not catching the football. Um, and, and then tight ends kind of the same way. So it's been very strange to see not on the same page, missing assignments, just not overall executing, and then at times just getting whipped. I mean, we, we have not seen that from the Clemson offense in a very long time. So, you know, it'll be interesting. Can they figure it out, KG? Is it figure outable, or is it just something where it's going to be a long year and these guys are, are just going to have to build in 22 and, and really get that thing going? So I think if there is a silver lining and, and maybe – this is what Halfley was talking about from that NC State game. We did see flashes. We did see flashes from DJ and Justin Ross where, you know, your jaw kind of just hits the ground. You're like, oh, my gosh, how did they make that play? But there was no consistency. There, there was no rhyme or reason behind it. It was just kind of lightning in the bottle, and then it was gone. Um, and, and so can those guys build on that? Maybe, maybe not. Coach Halfley says an inch away. I say about three feet away. Uh, and then when you look at the defense, I mean, it's still elite. Now, they did lose two of the best D tackles in the country, and Tyler Davis, Brian Brzee, Iskowski going to be ready to go. It feels like he's been banged up a lot in recent games. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, schematically, what what is you know Clemson going to do? Are we going to see more dime package? Are we going to see him just roll, you know, with the defensive linemen that they have, still knowing that there is great depth there? Um, when you look at this Boston College team of recent – I'd just sell out, stop the run, and see if Grossell can beat you with his arm because unless you've got Virginia players back there all of a sudden, I'm not feeling too confident about his throwing ability. <laughs> okay, well, that that's what's so interesting about this, Mac, is you'd I agree. I think Clemson's plan should be let's try to take away the run, let's try to take away Patrick Garwo, who's been awesome, and make Dennis Grossell beat you. But then you add in the point that you just made where you don't have Brian Brzee and Tyler Davis. So how effective is Clemson going to be able – to be in taking away the run. And this BCO line, would you say, Mac, with the BCO line, they're great. 
And we had Alec, Alec Lindstrom on last week. Go listen to him. He was exceptional. Are they, do they thrive more in pass blocking than run blocking? What would you say there? Uh, they're pretty good overall. I mean, if it's definitely, I think probably better run blocking just because most humans are better going forward than backward. Um, but I think that, uh, <laughs> I think that they're pretty solid when it comes all around with what they can do. And, and, you know, Zion is, is the headliner. I mean, that guy is so freaky when you just watch his tape, when you see what he's able to do to run in space, to, to you know, really kind of just stretch, get around the defensive lineman, then hold his block there. So it's been really, really cool to see. I am a little bit sad that we don't get to see that full strength defensive line because I think that would be just a really fun test uh, for those guys and for them to, you know, showcase their skills for, for NFL and potential future. But, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what Boston College tries to do you know, def- offensively, you know, with Grossell, we, we've seen that he has an arm. We've seen that he can make plays. We've also seen that he can be a little hesitant and that he's not confident at times in his arm. You're going against a really elite defense that that is going to try to make, uh, you know, m- make you make mistakes and force you into situations that you don't want to be on. Garwo, as you mentioned, has been on a tear. Does that stop against Clemson? Most likely. Uh, and then defensively for BC, I mean, these guys have been playing really well and been playing very confidently, which has been fun to see, KG, how this evolution has you know, really just been, not overnight because it has taken a year, but you know, very quickly. And so Clemson has proven, hey, we can't run the ball. We, we've seen that time and time again. So you know, now what does that look like? Do they drop seven? Do they drop eight each and every time and still understand, okay, we can get pressure on DJU or do they just all out blitz him, hurry up his process and try to make him a decision? They, they've got options, unfortunately, for Clemson fans. Uh, you know, Coach Lukabu over there, defensive coordinator, he's going to have his guys ready. And I can't wait to see this matchup. Super underrated. I think that 14 and a half spread, too, I think that's a little big. Yes, I do. I think BC plus the points is kind of a no brainer. I would bet I'd bet the farm. Just saying. Uh, what I'm concerned about, Max, specifically. Don't bet the farm. Not the farm. <laughs> Oh, God. (laughs) All right, bet whatever you want, but I'd bet something big on that. What I'm concerned about really with Clemson, and I think BC is licking their chops with this, without Will Shipley, Kobe Pace is your guy, and then that's really it. And Kobe Pace hasn't done much. And Clemson's running backs, first of all, you haven't been able to run it. Let's just say it. But then secondly, what really concerns me is the pass blocking from Clemson's running backs has been – atrocious like it's been bad and these are young guys and you know mac like it it takes a while to understand where the bliss is coming from and being able to pick it up but that's what really concerns me for clemson not that bc isn't known for their ability to sack the quarterback they only have they have very few tackles for loss on the season i think they're last in the acc in that category but clemson is so depleted at running back i think that should be the biggest concern for the tigers yeah and and one thing to you know kind of know what you're doing and and where you're picking up so your eyes you're not just swimming in water the the second piece of that is you have to be about that action you have to be about that life when there's a linebacker get up there and yeah there's a linebacker screaming full speed at you what what are you going to do uh you've got to hit them right in the chop so i'd run yeah right right and that's kind of what those guys have done too they they need to stop listening to you (laughs) Uh, but it will be interesting. There's another interesting, you know, kind of game within the game that I can't wait to see, KG. And that is the conditioning, you know, of these backup guys that are now going to be the full-time starter. You look at the Clemson defensive line, two guys that probably thought that, hey, we're going to play very little uh, this year. And when we do, we're going to go in and make the most of it. 
Now you're going to be playing 60, 70 plays. Can your body handle that? True. And at the end of the game, is it so much wear and tear? Boston College can run the ball wherever they want to. That's going to be something really fun to, to pay attention to. Great point, Matt. Great point. Okay, give me your keys for this game. Yeah, the, the key for Clemson is is super simple, and it's probably going to be this each week. Score the ball. Score the football. Get points. Can you move? Can you do anything offensively uh, to get back to your you know old self and what we come to expect? I mean, this offense is dang near last in almost every category and, and in the hundreds in almost every category, and it's it's crazy to see that. And, and you know, can they fix it? Don't know. Not sure. I'm not sure if it'll take an off season. They, I saw a couple articles. Hey, we went back to a, a camp mentality, kind of back to install, and maybe that's what it takes. You know, get five or six plays that you like that you can execute, then go out and do it. You know, everybody else is saying, man, more plays, more motions, more this and that. Be good at something. You know, just be good at a couple plays. We don't need to add any more, you know, to these guys and what they're trying to do. And then for Boston College, it's on the defense. Create turnovers, create field position for your offense and play in the short field. Can you do that? Can you control the game? Because if you can, you're feeling really good about your chances to win this game. My key has to do with history, Mac. Two points here from history. The first one is Clemson has not lost back-to-back games in the regular season since 2011. Mac was a red shirt, so don't blame him for that. <laughs> he was on the team, but he, did, he couldn't affect the outcome. And then secondly, Boston College has not defeated a ranked team on the road since 2008. So which one of those happened more recently? <laughs> it's it's <laughs> Clemson, so maybe that's more likely. But I think those two little pieces of history cannot be ignored. I'll just say that. I understand. Hey, you know what? It's there for a reason. It's for us to learn from it and to understand what might happen. All right, KG, before we get to the speed round, this is a small week. There's only like six games. It's a very tiny week for us here. It is time to get to our seaside grown Fresh Picks of the Week, KG. Seaside Grown comes from a rich 120-year history, speaking of history, of family-owned sustainable farming in South Carolina's low country. Let Seaside Grown help you get ready for game day. You can start your tailgate off right, especially for these night games, Mac. This is perfect. With Seaside's Bloody Mary Mix, each jar of their award-winning Bloody Mary Mix is packed with two pounds of the family's fresh-grown tomatoes. I love their jam, which could also be perfect for the morning as you're getting ready for your tailgate. Then that barbecue sauce, oh my goodness. The peach bourbon barbecue sauce is to die for. The salsa is also really good. You can get everything you need for your tailgate from Seaside Grown. Come on, KG. Let me tell you something about about this change in weather and how it affects kind of my my cooking ability and things that I can cook. Now Now that we are officially in fall, I can make chili and not look like a psychopath, right? Because it has to be a, a little, the weather, not a lot of yeah, people. Yeah, you can't make that when it's 100 degrees Unless outside. you're from you Texas, like then you, got, you guys eat chili like 24-7. <laughs> so over here on the on the beast coast, on the east coast, uh, it, you're looked at very strange if you make chili before it's chilly outside. <laughs> um, but now, oh, no. the show's getting off the rails, guys. Sorry you have to deal with this. Uh, but now I, I can finally do that. And what I'm really excited to do is to experiment with this seaside-grown Bloody Mary mix as a chili base. I've seen it on Instagram. If you oh, haven't, guys, yes. go check it out. Seaside Grown on Instagram. They have an awesome chili recipe. KG, I'm super jacked up for that. And, and a reason why 
is because it's so fresh. Not many other manufacturers can tell you where their product come from. All the while, Seaside Grown can get it down to the acre where their tomatoes were put in the jars where they were grown. Do yourself a favor. Go to SeasideGrown.com. Browse their amazing 19 true field to glass products. And after you load up your cart and you're ready to check out, use our code ACC15 to save 15% on your entire order. I love it, Mac. All right, let's pick some games. Speaking of picking tomatoes, let's pick some college football games. The first game, we're going straight up here, but if you have a play on the spread, please let us know. Don't be shy. Pitt at Georgia Tech. What's your pick, Mac? I love this game. And and I think, you know, this is a game where if you and I were split, uh, you know, it would make a lot of sense. But I'm going with Kenny Pickett. I'm an offensive guy. I'm going with the offense. I think Kenny is, is going to take what that Georgia Tech defense gives them. I think he's going to go through his reads. I expect to see Jordan Addison coming underneath a lot and to just get him the football. So straight up, I'm going with Pittsburgh. I think they're going to win the game. I'm not, you know, the line is three and a half. I expect them to win by a touchdown. So I guess you're taking them there. And then, of course, the the over-under is at 58 and a half. I might take the over here. I think Pitt's going to score some points. I like the over there, Mac. I'm taking Georgia Tech because here's the thing. Here's the thing, Mac. I'm a believer. I'm, I'm believing in what I'm seeing in Georgia Tech. And we know defense travels. Well, Pitt ain't got one. So I'm a little concerned about that. And I love the way Georgia Tech's defense played against North Carolina. They weren't afraid of anyone. They went out there and they were incredibly aggressive. They were dominant. They were physical. Kenny Pickett is playing better right now than Sam Howell is. Think about that. So that is a tall test. I think this game will be close. But I am taking Georgia Tech to win in Atlanta. And I would take Georgia Tech plus three and a half because if this is a field goal game, then you're good to go. Come on, KG. I, I like that. I like the split yeah. there. You know, ultimately, four four. ultimately, Seaside can't lose. Now someone at least is going to be right in our first game. Oh, good. That's, that's a good sign for us, Mac. Okay, our next game, rivalry game, Duke at North Carolina. North Carolina is a 20-point favorite. That's absurd to me for starters. I think you for sure take Duke with the points. I'm also going to take the under, but for straight up purposes, I'm taking Carolina. <laughs> I thought you were about to say, I'm also <laughs> right. going to take for Duke. Straight up, like, for straight up for our little contest here, I'm taking <laughs> Carolina. Uh, but all those other numbers, guys, and if you're a betting man or woman, take Duke. But I'm going UNC straight up win here. I would say Duke plus 20. I have taken them at times this year. I had them, I took them to cover against Charlotte and they let me down. So I'm just a little weary of Duke right now, but they're, they're doing really well against the spread as of late. And of course they're just, they're winning, but I'm going to take North Carolina. The other thing with UNC, they have played so much better at home. They are a different team at home. So I think that will come through this Saturday at Keenan. Louisville at number 24, Wake. Wake is a six and a half point favorite, Mac. I like this one, and I think that Wake gets it done, stays undefeated, so I'm taking Wake points, and I'm going over. I think, like you, KG, this can turn into a little bit of a track meet, and uh, you know what is going to be interesting? How far over? I'm thinking like 65 total points, so we've got a little wiggle room on the over. Yeah, I like it. You know, this seems like a ACC situation where Wake is supposed to win, Wake should win. Oh, no. Louisville no. could definitely Don't win. Don't do it. Don't do it. I'm taking Wake, though. Okay, good. I, I think, like I said, Mac, I'm learning my lesson. I'm taking the more balanced team, and Wake Forest is the more balanced team. I think that balance wins out. And then our final game here in our picks, Boston College at number 25, Clemson. Clemson's a 14-and-a-half-point favorite. Take Boston College on the points and take the under. This is going to be an ugly game. That's how Boston College is going to want it. 
uh, that big offensive line up front for BC. You know, I think they're going to find a way to move the ball, whether it's through the air or on the ground. But ultimately, I think it's going to it's going to come down to maybe even kickers. KG, if nobody else can figure it out, Ooh. does it come to some fifty yard bombs? Like when we get over the fifty yard line, all right, we're in range. We got to kick it, get some points here. Uh, we'll, we'll see and find out about that. But I'm going Clemson straight up, BC for the points, and then uh, under hit the under hard guys. This is a classic. Kick it before we fumble. Game, that's right. That's right. Which so maybe Clemson should look into that. Ugh, I want to pick BC Mac. I do, but I think when you look at the history, Clemson hasn't lost back to back games in ten years. Dabo knows what he's doing, and again, there's no Jerkovic. If Jerkovic was playing, I would have taken them to beat Missouri, and I walked that back. But Missouri's defense is putrid, and I would probably take them to win this game. But I, I just can't do it. I'm taking Clemson, but. BC plus the points. This game's going to be very close and it's going to be uncomfortable in Death Valley. I understand. And uh, yeah, KG, you mentioned that, you know, 2011 year, right? And you mentioned that was the last time that, you know, Clemson lost back to back games. Do you know who the first opponent of that 1 2 loss was? It was NC State. It was right? NC State. So, and then South Carolina. History might repeat itself. Oh, we don't know. <laughs> Very interesting. You know, the Boston College maroon is very similar to the South Carolina garnet. Nightmares. Eagles and Gamecocks are both birds. Oh, my gosh. It's all adding up. Conspiracy theory. All right, Mac. Let's get to the speed round. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about Syracuse and Florida State? This game, this is a train wreck game. Like, you can't look away, but you're going to want to watch. Is it a train wreck game? It might turn into a train a wreck. Bit. It might turn into a train Both wreck. With the- Look, I'll give Syracuse credit. Syracuse has looked yeah, good. This is on. more of a two great running backs. Yes. Whichever running back, whichever team gives the ball to their running backs more. Oh, well, go ahead and sign Syracuse up because they give their guy the ball. Right? I mean, FSU just, I guess they forget that, that Corbin is on the team and that he averages like a thousand yards of carry. I guess they just yes. don't understand that, but I'm excited to see Cuse. I mean, kind of surprise team of the conference right now, probably, you know, a little too early to just give them that, but I've been very impressed right. with, with just seeing what Sean Tucker has been able to do. Now the question is in conference play, can he keep it up? I mean, he is second in the country in all purpose yards, averaging right about 178 a game. So we talk about all these teams that kind of have the guy that does it all for them. Man, that that's I mean, all purpose yards. That that pretty much sums it up. Sean Tucker's your guy. Uh and then Mikel Jones, I mean, he is such a dog. It is so fun to watch him uh just fly around the field, make a bunch of calls, make a bunch of plays. And then how about Cody Roscoe? Kind of emerging as this sack master for Syracuse. He leads the conference with four and a half uh sacks on the season. Mac, the thing with FSU, I mean, there's so many things with FSU. They've had so many different issues. They are dead last in the turnover margin. I think they're like minus 14. It's absurd. So if they turn the ball over, Syracuse, because they can be able, they're probably going to be able to control the clock with how they run it. This could be a danger zone. Syracuse has never won in Tallahassee. So keep that in mind. This is a 3.30 game. I also don't know what kind of atmosphere we're going to get in Tallahassee. We're getting to that scary point where we could start hearing the boo birds and things like that. <laughs> a lot of history this weekend, right? You, you've brought yes. up all these historical things. Is history going to be rewritten or is it going to be more Ooh. of the same? Interesting to see. How about La Tech at number 23, NC State, KG? This is on 6 o'clock, ACC Extra. NC State's a 20-point favorite, but there's a common opponent, 
And we saw that where Mississippi State and uh, the Bulldogs of La Tech, really it came down to the wire. What, what are your thoughts on, uh, on this game? I'm not worried for NC State that they're going to lose, but I think taking Louisiana Tech plus the points is really smart. This, this seems like a classic letdown spot for NC State. You just had this incredibly emotional win. You made t-shirts about it, for God's sake, which I think is, is interesting. But not, it's not like you have a big win and you're still 5-2 and two or something. And 5-2 and two is not bad. But point is, you had that big win. But NC State, you understand you have so much ahead of you. Like, you could legitimately win the ACC this year. So I think you will see a certain level of focus that you might not get from a team that just upsets someone but doesn't have a lot to play for still. But I, I, there's got to be some letdown here. Right, Mac? Like, after you get a big win as a player and you're playing a team like this, how do you stay focused for that? Yeah, it, it, this is a big culture game for the Dave Doran era. And for him to kind of you know, put his stamp on this team and, and, you know, having coming off the biggest win, you know, of his career at NC state, you know, how is, how is the team going to respond? Now there, there's a lot of um, vets on this team. There's a lot of experienced players. So you've got to think that they won't allow that to happen. But at the end of the day, you know, when you have 18 to 22 year old kids, that creeps into your mind. It's like, man, we, you know, we just played the number nine team in the country. Now we're playing these guys at two and two. I hope that that kind of common opponent thing is like, all over the locker room. Like, hey, y'all couldn't yeah. beat it, Mississippi State. These guys almost beat them. You know, what are we going to look like? But, KG, a great weekend, a super fun weekend. Cannot wait to just dive into it and, and to see what happens. Big opportunity for the ACC and for some people, start creeping in front and getting in that driver's seat of their divisions. Guys, thank you for listening. If you haven't already, go over to iTunes, follow our podcast, drop us a little five-star rating or write us a review. We would greatly appreciate it. But until next time, we'll see y'all.